Welcome back to the Wrong Advice Podcast. I'm your host, John Picciuto, and I'm really excited to have a good buddy of mine, Miles Phillips, on the line today. Miles, how you doing, buddy? Doing good today. Thanks, John. How about yourself? Yeah, I can't complain. It's Sunday. It's, uh, you know, the sun's out. I uh, had a chance to spend some time with family this morning, uh, so it's all a good day. Uh, why don't you introduce yourself to us, Miles? Uh, yeah, I'm uh, Miles Phillips. I'm 24. I'm from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I'm now living in Denver. Um, I'm a professional photographer and amateur skateboarder and musician. That's awesome. What uh, what instruments do you play? Um, I play a little bit of everything. Uh, my first was piano, but I've been really focused on guitar for about the last 10 years. That's awesome. I own two guitars. I play neither of them uh, <laughs> very well. Um, I got a uh, Fender Strat, which is gorgeous and i love it and i've yeah and i got a uh, a fender acoustic um like five six years ago i picked them up to uh really dive into my creative side and uh they've been collecting dust definitely over the last 12 months <laughs> you should uh pick them up man i mean it's uh even if you're just doing it like five to 15 minutes a day it's one of those things that can just kind of set your mind straight you know yeah, I know my buddy uh, Johnny Bob, who's probably listening to this podcast, is going to be mad at me because he was my teacher for years, and he is an absolute incredible guitar player. But it's just I find it hard because it's frustrating because I am musically inclined, but I'm having such a hard time learning it that it's just immensely frustrating. <laughs> sure. Unlike photography, which I picked up a couple years ago, and I feel like I've got a pretty strong knack for it. But um, tell me kind of how your photography journey started. You know, when did you pick up your first camera? What was it? And kind of how did your experience kind of grow from there? Yeah, sure. Um, so I was kind of lost in high school, you know, as most people are when they're, you know, like 15, 16. So um, I was playing music, you know, I was playing trumpet, guitar, and piano at the time, um, but I kind of had decided that music was just a little bit too personal to me, so I was looking for something else um, that could kind of drive the career um, sort of aspect of my life. So I started taking a black and white photography class. Um, I was using a Nikon FM, nice. uh, 35mm camera. Yeah, it's a... Uh, it was my, my father's, and he was using it in a photojournalism class in college, and so I got that passed down to me, um, used that, and it, it all just kind of spiraled really quickly. Um, I started making prints and, you know, submitting them to contests and that kind of stuff, and started winning, and um, then eventually got my first digital camera, um, you know, had a couple of gallery showings and got like flown out to a couple of places, Los Angeles, and um, just kind of decided from that point, you know, I was going to go to school for it and wanted to just kind of travel the world and pursue that. I mean, that's awesome. I mean, that's obviously the dream. And uh, having accomplished all that at such a young age, what's like the the next step on your journey? I mean. You, at 24 years old, you've obviously accomplished a lot for someone who's only been doing it for, I would say, what, probably six or seven years. I don't know when in high school you, you picked it up. Um, but can, what's next for you? Um, right now, I'm just kind of chugging along. Um, I spent a long time traveling, living out of my backpack. And uh, um, I started started in Nepal in 2017. That was like the first major international journey I did and then went to Central America for a few months and the Caribbean and um, just kind of got a taste of all these different areas but um, eventually kind of ran into some issues of uh, like what am I going to be able to do next if I'm not making a steady income so mm -hmm. got a job in Denver shooting real estate um, and just kind of traveling around the state uh, doing that. So I'm trying to kind of build a foundation, um, in order to go out and travel a little bit smarter this time. Yeah. And obviously I think 
COVID probably gave you a nice pause to kind of reflect and, and look at what the next step is going to look like in, in your journey and your career. Absolutely. Um, tell me what Nepal was like. I know when I spoke with Shane uh, a couple of weeks ago, he mentioned that you guys um, were buddies growing up and, and knew each other from a young age. Um, he told me that the Nepal journey was something that really rubbed off on him, uh, you know, your kind of influence in that. So what was that like for you? What made you do that? And uh, how does that impacted like your your life moving forward i mean yeah the nepal trip was everything man it uh it was a real pivot a real awakening i think for a lot of different reasons um i think it's one of those places where a lot of people go for a similar reason but they come home with a different outtake mm-hmm. um, i went there with the intention you know i was volunteering and doing earthquake relief stuff, rebuilding schools, um, but also brought a couple different cameras with me and a lot of hiking and camping gear uh, with the intention of just kind of trailing off and finding whatever happened. Um, But it kind of just kind of sucked me in. And I think it sucks a lot of people in. I mean, in the best and worst ways, I mean, it completely sucked everything out of my wallet. I'll tell you that. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as far as like what replaced that money and that, uh, you know, I lost weight, I lost money, I lost these things, but like you, you gain so much in the process of that. I think I gained a lot of wisdom. Um, I was also able to see some really incredible architecture meet some really incredible people and um, have some spiritual experiences that I think I didn't really ever know that I needed to have, but Mm -hmm. now I really take them to heart. Uh, I I mean, it's incredible that at such a young age, and I said something extremely similar um, when I spoke with Shane, I just, um, you know, it's, it's crazy to me that you guys are very young and you've done a lot that, you know, as someone 10 years your senior is envious of. Um, what was it about these experience that drew you to them and then ultimately like allowed you to take this huge leap to go to Nepal to travel and take pictures? Like, what was it about these opportunities or, you know, maybe what was it about yourself that like allowed you or inspired you to make these, these, you know, pretty large jumps well everybody's running to something or from something i think and i like that when i was young i was running i feel like i was running from something um you know i had kind of a rough time in those teenage years uh like my father was in the hospital and um on and off with some pretty serious heart um and blood issues and we uh I think we we're struggling as a whole family through that. Um, so when I went off to college, I kind of, while I knew that was at home, I was kind of looking for this constant adventure um, to, you know, like distract my mind. And I think when you get older and mature a little bit more, um, you learn to confront those issues in a little bit of a different light. So, um, but yeah, I think I was running away at first and then, as the years went on, uh, like I said before, I went to the Caribbean for a while. Um, I got a job working there as a photographer. It was the same nonprofit, All Hands and Hearts, that I was with in uh, Nepal volunteering. Um, so they gave me a job, and I was doing photography for them, um, living at St. Thomas for a few months. But I felt like that was a, a result of a post-realization from Nepal where you know, I'd sat on these thoughts and realized that, you know, it's important to volunteer. It's important to build things and do physical labor. But I also felt like that was a skill that was a little bit more easily teachable on a, a short um, time frame. So there was a lot more hands that were able to fill that. Um, and I had this realization when I was in Nepal, you know, I'd been working doing some really back-breaking construction work and hurt my back. And one day I couldn't even get out of my tent and my back just hurt so bad. Um, and it lasted for about three days. Damn. Uh, but on the third day, I had this moment where 
I realized it was good enough that I could walk around and I was like, maybe I'll stretch it out and I can go back to work tomorrow or something. Um, and I went for a walk up the side of the hill. Um, and there was this Tibetan Buddhist temple, a really small one. Um, I couldn't even really put a date to the paintings that were inside, but it had usually been locked up. Um, and plenty of people had passed by before. There was always this woman that was kind of the the gatekeeper of sorts, and she would only open it for herself or people that lived in the village. But one day she opened it for me. It was on that third day. Um, and she invited me to go in and take some photographs. And it was kind of this, like, just before golden hour, and it kind of poured into golden hour. Um, and I left at the time of twilight time of day when uh, the mist was kind of rolling over the hillside um, in the Himalayas. But I don't know, there's this moment where I just kind of like realized, you know, maybe what I'm doing does have purpose. And maybe this is the reason I came here was to re-realize that my life back home is the same here and it's the same everywhere. No matter where you go, you know, you're, you're still the same human. So I kind of re-realized my love for photography after being stuck for um, a little bit of that time period of my life. So um, I think from that point forward, coming home, no matter what the struggles were, it was a little bit easier to endure. I think that is a wildly impressive uh, mental acumen for, you know, I, I hate to to harbor on someone's age, but you're a young guy. When I was 24, um you know, I, I certainly wasn't world traveling. I wasn't uh, introspective in the way that uh, I find, I guess, your generation is to some extent. Uh, and I'm, I'm wildly impressed by by those uh, by those words. Um, what was it about that trip that kind of put into perspective for you um, those feelings that you can kind of be anywhere and be with anyone, but be like comfortable, I guess, in your own skin and, and like that self-realization and accusate, you know, uh, that allows you to kind of, uh, feel present in the moment like that. Sure. Um, thank you, by the way. Um, I appreciate those words a lot. Um, I think it's kind of, it's kind of that, uh, embracement. Um, is that a word or is, or is it just embrace? Yeah, embrace. <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, you're embracing discomfort when you're abroad. And I think that's part of the reason why a lot of people do travel is to go to some place that's nearly polar opposite to where you're from. Um, and I grew up in such a sphere where I think going to Nepal was quite possibly one of the most different places I could have gone. Um but when you become comfortable in a place like that, that's when you have that realization of like, okay, maybe I can go everywhere, but every place has to be treated uniquely and differently. Um, and, you know, every place has its own culture and things that it wants to highlight and show to the world. Um, and then, of course, things that it would like to hide because yeah. it's a perfect country. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I, f- I, I would love to dive into how these trips around the world have informed and impacted your art and your photography. Um, sure. cause I feel like you've got uh, a really kind of cool, um, creative style that I would say is pretty unique to you. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't see it replicated right. often. No, oh, no problem. Um, h- how did those trips, um, you know, there and back kind of impact your art and impact your eye and impact, you know, kind of the, the photographs that you want to make and, and whatnot. Sure. Um, that's a good question. I think there's kind of a different palette for every, every location. Um, and that was something I realized after I had been back in Minnesota for about a year. Um, after being in Nepal, I was kind of craving that more tropical landscape again, because I had been using those photos the whole year after traveling. And that was kind of my portfolio at the time. Um, and someone had asked me, like, do you make anything here? And I, I thought about it, and I was like, you know, I really don't right now. So I started um, renting out cameras and trying to um, hone in on a style again. Um, and I started to notice that Minnesota and the Midwest as a whole, you know, the Great Lakes region, had this really, like, blue and gold, strong 
um, combo in the cities, and then outside of it had this sort of like, you know, pinkish purple sky with uh, green trees during like sunset. So I was really trying to harness on those colors. And then when I went to Costa Rica after like a year of being in Minnesota, I felt like I was able to look at it in a different light where, you know, I'd compared those two regions, um, like Nepal and um, Minnesota, and seen the differences in the color palettes. So when I went to Costa Rica and saw this, like, really vibrant green and, you know, all the different yellows and there's cacti and all these different tropical vegetations, depending on which part of the country you're in. Yeah. Um, that's pretty I awesome. felt like I was ready to like grasp that, you know, and it, yeah. whereas like in Nepal, it was like such a surprise, you know, going to this place that was arid and very ancient. It was like, you're, you know what I mean? Yeah, like you're, the dueling you're right. vibrancy of like the, the two places. Right. Yeah. I, I, uh, obviously before we spoke and, you know, we've been connected on, on, I'm said LinkedIn, but Instagram for, for a couple of weeks now, um, there was a, a specific photo that I absolutely loved. I'm assuming it was Costa Rica just based on the sunset, but it was like, I don't know if it was like a church or something at the end of a pier, um, with a whole bunch of like seagulls and stuff. Was that Costa Rica? Oh no, that was actually Milwaukee. Oh, um, wow. you're kidding me. Well, Port Washington, Wisconsin, technically, is about 30 minutes north of there. Yeah, um, I think that's an interesting point because when you, you know, when you go to so many places, eventually it, there's something that remains consistent, and I think that's the editing style, the shooting and framing style, um, and then the type of things you're attracted to as well, right? Like, Wisconsin's actually a pretty old state when you think about the history of what was created there um and you know all the great lakes are connected through the erie canal so you have all these really old structures um and costa rica panama nicaragua all those countries have really old sort of spanish architecture from colonial times so i think in terms of like colonization both of those regions have remnants of things from their their origins mm -hmm. Whereas, you know, a lot of the West, like where I'm at now in Denver, I love the architecture, but it's all very modernized. It's very like 1900s plus. Mm -hmm. So I think to have that kind of ancient relic that's sitting among the present has always been the sort of thing um, that I've been interested in photographing. I love that. How much, um, I don't know if, if pressure is the right word or um, influence, do you find that Instagram has on your work. Um, I, I know that, um, you know, as a primarily a street photographer, a documentary photographer, you know, shooting uh, cityscapes a lot, um, I, I'm influenced greatly by the success of other photographers. And I, and I don't necessarily pattern myself off of other people, but when I see other people's work get recognized or shared widely versus my own, I do have like a, a you know, I'm trying to work on the fact that I do get a, like a twing of uh, jealousy and, and, or, you know, why is my work not viewed in that regard? Um, do you deal with that at all? And, you know, I, I, you know, I wonder if at, because you've had a, a fair amount of success at a, at a early age, um, if you can put yourself beyond that already. I think, um, it doesn't really bother me too much. I think it's kind of a weird thing. Like a lot of my friends were hopping on the Instagram game really early when I was, you know, in my, my tweens or teens. <laughs> and I think it's something that I slacked on. I kind of thought, you know, I wasn't super interested in it. I was shooting film at the time. Um, I didn't really value it's important as a platform until, you know, after it had blown up. And I had ignored it for years. So in college, I kind of revisited it and started to try to rebuild it. Um, but, you know, it was also really focused on that, like, physical printed presence in a gallery setting. And, um, yeah, I think the, the care for it is recent. Mm -hmm. It's definitely recent for me. Um, I didn't start thinking about it as, like, a digital gallery until just about a year ago. Mm -hmm. um, and as soon as I moved to Denver... 
So I was, I was in like a role with it. But then as soon as I moved to Denver, um, I stopped posting like right away and stopped editing my photos and just hopped right into the new job and, um, you know, just started doing a bunch of adult stuff. So now I kind of want to revisit it in a new light and maybe, maybe try to be a little bit more innovative with it and make an even more unique presence and, you know, try to focus on community building and that kind of stuff. Uh, I like that. I like it. You know, it's important and it, it is great, but I think it takes a lot of time and it deserves a lot of attention. I think because you're, you're not only dealing with your time, but other people's time. And these are real people, mm-hmm. whether you're behind the digital screen or not. Yep. Um, and I would like to, if I'm going to be on, I want to be, you know, like involved. I, I like that. I, I think you have that uh, very aligned with uh, our, our mutual friend, Tyler. Um, Cause I think he has done a tremendous job of creating community um, around, uh, you know, his passion of uh, photography as well. And uh, that's sort of something that I'm trying to build um, with this podcast and, and with conversations that I'm having with people around life. Um, I think uh, it's super easy to, to get sucked into this uh, very self-centered, uh, you know, uh, self-centric kind of life where we're just minding our own business, doing our own thing. And even though we have more connections to more people than, you know, any human being in, in human history, it's very easy to be extremely closed off um, at the same time, even if we have infinite access to infinite numbers of people. Um, so I, I like the idea that uh, community building is something that um, you've obviously put a lot of focus in, not just, you know, digitally, but also, um, you know, in real life practice as well when you're you know building homes and stuff in, in Nepal um, you touched on film and digital um, I, I teeter back and forth between the two mediums and I'm just curious what your thoughts are um, between between the uh, intentionality when you use one versus the other sure that's a good uh, topic I think lately I've been using mainly digital um, it's mainly just because of what's required for work and um, not even what's required, but like what's easy expected, I guess, yeah. like as terms of like turnaround time and whatnot. Um, but yeah, I, I love film and I think everybody that's avid in photography should like definitely take the time to try it. But if you're going to, just do it, you know, as like a cool, whatever aesthetic thing. Like this is just, this is just to try film, whatever. Um, you know, it's, it's nice for some people to have that kind of like nostalgic thing. That's like, like the Polaroid, you know, that's hanging on your wall or whatever. Mm-hmm. But if you're really going to take it seriously as an art form, um, you know, there's, an immense about amount of freedom you have in Photoshop and things like that to create a style for yourself. But also when you're choosing a film stock or you're choosing a camera or you're choosing a lens for that matter, all these different combinations create a unique style. Um, so your intentionality behind that is kind of everything. And it really decides on what your end product is going to look like. I like that because I feel like I've struggled with that a lot. I have like gear acquisition and, and gear sell syndrome. Like I buy and sell cameras and change my kit fucking so often. Like my, my local camera store probably thinks I'm a lunatic. Um, but I started to pare down recently into like being very specific on when I do something. So if like I'm doing a model shoot, I'll bring one camera and one lens. Uh, if I'm doing street photography, I'll do one camera, you know, whether it's uh, X100V or like M6, uh, which I actually just sold. Um, but yeah, it's just like I'm going through this phase where it's like, I don't know what my own style is and I don't know what my own editing is. And I still am trying to kind of uh, grow as an artist uh, to sure. like really be keyed into what it is like I'm trying to make and what the intent behind the images I'm trying to make. And while I love shooting film and my main reasoning behind shooting film for the last four or five years was, uh, you know, you mentioned, uh, Instagram as a digital, um, what'd you say? A digital, uh, yeah. Digital gallery. I like the thought of that. My, my only con to that is, is like when I die, 
Like nothing that I've created, if it's all digital, is going to exist anymore. Um, so that's why I got into printing tons of my photos uh, and shooting film. Because like at the end of the day, when I die, like there's going to be an archive of thousands of negatives. And I'm not saying like it's going to be worth anything or uh, even that anyone's going to want them. But I just like the thought that something that I created will exist, you know, physically beyond, uh, you know, my time. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, so I, I have struggled mightily with trying to figure out what that style is and what that vision is. Um, what is it that, um, you know, I guess over the last couple of years that has allowed you to kind of key into your aesthetic and and, um, and and your, you know, vibe, et cetera, that you're trying to create with your images? Well, I think it's kind of uh, a manipulation of time. So you take an image um, and oftentimes when I'm traveling or I'm at a location, um, it's in the midst of moving somewhere quickly. I'm on the way to somewhere else. Um, and there's all these different things running through your mind. So oftentimes I don't edit the images I shoot until months later, maybe years later. Oh. So instantly there's this feeling of nostalgia where, you know, maybe I'm sitting in, uh, Colorado where I am now. Um, and I'm editing a photo from Panama. It has this, it instantly has this feeling of nostalgia. So already your intention as far as editing goes is geared towards harnessing that nostalgia, that feeling of what did it feel like to be there? What were the colors like beyond what the negative or the image file has in its raw setting? You know, like what can you do to enhance that feeling to make people there? So that's when you take specific hues and you're really pushing them and you mute others and you either make a soft or a harsh texture, you know, depending on what it feels like. So I think, you know, a lot of people are using presets and things like that these days. I use them, but they're always being, always being tweaked. Like there's never like a, a preset that just works perfect for one photo. Um, and that's why I've never really tried to sell them either because <laughs> I'm aware that they're not, really useful in that respect you know they're just kind of like i have like gritty ones and like film mask ones that you know are like certain film stocks but at the end of the day it's not that film stock it's something that i made it's something unique um and so you have to kind of treat it in that life yeah i like that i uh <laughs> yeah that's funny um yeah i uh, i have a, a very uh <sighs> Very aggressive love hate with uh, with presets. Um, I don't love like content creators online that sell them to people because they've got a wide reach and audience of people who um, will look at their preset and say, "Oh, cool! If I put that on my photo, it's going to look just like this, and it's going to be amazing." And that's just not necessarily like factual. Um, but yeah, um, that that's funny. Um, Obviously, you're a young guy. You've traveled the world. You've done some really cool things. Um, what's what would you say at 24 years old is your greatest success to date? Wow, that's a that's a big one. Um, <laughs> I think there's different there's different answers for that. Like there's you know there's the coolest place I've been. There's the coolest thing I've done. And um. You know, right now, I think it's kind of where I'm sitting currently. Um, and, you know, someone on the outside might look through the window and say, I mean, I hope some, nobody's looking through my window. That's <laughs> freaking weird. But, <laughs> um, if somebody walks in, dude, he's just sitting there, like, you know, like playing guitar or editing pictures or playing video games or whatever. Um, and I eat, you know, like the same five meals every week, it seems, but like, um, I'm very stable and I think the fact that I get to go to, you know, like five to seven properties per day, um, on mountaintops and, you know, take landscape photos and architectural photos. It's the dream. It's every, every step of the past few years of my photography career have led up to this. Um, and I feel like both emotionally, financially, um, and then a million other things. It just feels right. That's awesome. I, I mean, to be to have that level of fulfillment uh, at 24, I think, is not only rare, but um, 
it's incredible. Um, you mentioned obviously a different, a few different kind of uh, photography styles and, and photography, uh, you know, genres that you dabble in. Um, do you have one particular um, genre or type of uh, art that you make? And if so, what, uh, which is it? Yeah. So I've made three different editions of these aluminum composite prints. Uh, I've only done it with, Actually, no, there's there's six of them now. So there's three from Costa Rica, um, and they're the biggest ones. They're five feet by seven feet wow. aluminum prints. Um, yeah, they're, they're large. They're really difficult to transport, but I think the intent behind those is, as far as like a fine art um, realm of photography goes, probably my biggest accomplishments. Um, two are in Minneapolis still, safely at... Um, the university I attended, and then one's in Miami, also safely, on a wall um, in the Young Arts headquarters. Um, and Young Arts is a no- nonprofit that I submitted to. They were holding a contest for under-18 artists. So I, I did that when I was 16 and uh, oh, wow. got flown to Los Angeles and you know, got some prize money, got to be in a gallery and stuff. But um, then they kind of open you to this alumni network. So, you know, if anybody's listening to this, they're under 18 um, and they're going to be 18 or under in the fall. Young Arts is a really good thing to apply to um, because not only do they set you up for an instant opportunity, but I think later down the line as an artist in your career, you know, they have grants and things like that and gallery opportunities. So that's how I was able to get um, that piece into the show in Miami and then later into their headquarters um, was just through that alumni network. That's awesome. Um, Yeah. So it sounds like you've got a lot to be proud of and you've got a a considerable amount of accomplishments, uh, you know, not just winning contests and stuff, but obviously um, to be able to travel across the world and help people in need. um, I mean, that's just incredibly uh, noble and and giving of yourself to do these types of things. Um, So you've got a lot to be proud of at a young age. Is there anything that you can look back at and be incredibly regretful of? Is there anything that at, you know, Miles Phillips, 24 years old, sitting in Denver today, uh, is like, fuck, what did I do that for? (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, of course. Like, (laughs) I think every every trip I came back from pre-2020, um, you know, I came back broke and that was a mistake. Um, I'm way better with my money now, um, budgeting and I think that's, I think that's understandable. Yeah. But at the same time, um, you know, not a whole lot of regret, like as far as the choices that have been made in the places that I've gone, um, I think, I think my biggest regrets are sitting sitting still unintentionally, you know, mm-hmm. like you, you can sit still unintentionally. And if you're like reading a book or you're contemplating or you're just resting, whatever, um, you know, that's useful. Mm-hmm. That's really useful. And I think part of a natural day, but if you're sitting still without intention, which I've done in some places and I've just bought like, you know, my third coffee for the day or whatever, or my, my third beer. And it's just like, yeah, but I could know, be doing so much work. Something else on your mind that you're pushing towards, and it's bothering you. You got to grab it. So when I have those moments when I, it's bothering me and I don't grab it, then I have regret. I like that. Uh, something that at 35 I struggle with is getting inspiration to like make art or write or uh, you know record podcasts and stuff. I feel like you know so much of my day is um, you know the time is budgeted with work and family and such that it it sometimes becomes difficult for me to flex the creative muscles that I feel like probably give me the most, you know, uh, life boost that I, that I could ask for. Um, when you're feeling kind of in that rut of, you know, lack of creativity or lack of inspiration, what are some things that you do that, um, can kind of boost your mood or, or, you know, boost your desire to, to be creative? Um, I think lots of 
persistence and patience. Um, you have those moments where you're, you know, wondering what you're supposed to be doing or what you should be doing. And um, I think just kind of looking at your life and realizing, you know, you don't always have to take a photograph of something that inspires you. You don't always have to create um, in every given moment where you have an inspiration. Um, I think allows me to kind of take that those moments of inspiration and more like save them up, mm -hmm. if you will. Oh, I like that. Um, like a creativity kind of bank. Like, yeah, yeah. You make like a little bank in your mind slash heart and you just kind of you know, set it off in this corner of your room and then one day you're going to walk in there and, you know, you're, you're hyped up, you're ready to go and you have this inspiration, but you're just like, but like, what is it? I don't know what it is. And then you re revisit this notebook or this mind space or however you want to organize it and just grab it and just go at it. Um, and I think it applies to any medium of creativity. Today I've been recording a lot of music, so there's this this one song that I'm working on now, and usually I make like a bunch of riffs um, and create like an album of work each year. Mm -hmm. um, this year I, I kind of went about it the same way. It's slightly disappointing, but also sort of rewarding. Where I made like eight riffs, but then they all ended up being components of the same song. So it's like instead of like a whole album in a year, I get one song, but I think the one song is like better than last year's album. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. It does. Um, so yeah, that creativity bank, you know, you're banking in on all these little different pieces. And one day your mind just kind of explodes with the motivation to move forward. Oh, that's pretty good. Um, I, I think I've gotten lucky in that I've lived a lot of my life like extremely comfortable in my own skin and, and um, I guess just innate confidence in myself in the ability to do things like uh, start photography, start a podcast. I actually made the intro for my podcast and kind of turned it into an own little song myself. Um, and I just, I just kind of live by this philosophy that like, I'd rather do something and fail than not do it at all. Um, and I don't know what it is about me inherently inside me that gives me the confidence to just try a million things, whether I'll be successful or not, you know, remains to be seen. Um, but what gives you confidence? confidence either in your artwork, your music, etc. Um, what kind of gives you the drive to keep going and uh, be successful? Um, I think maybe I was lucky in that I, I felt like I was kind of weird from a, a really young age. And a lot of people thought I was kind of out there at a really young age. So I always kind of approached life uniquely in that way. Um, maybe for somebody who is looking to become more comfortable in their skin or confident, um, I think it's just that, that go at it every single day sort of attitude. Um, and, you know, maybe you're taking one photo a day, but if you're printing it or you're putting it in a folder or you're putting it in a collection of images, all of a sudden it becomes a collection. It becomes a thing. It becomes a project. And whether it's a subject that someone else is interested in or not, you know, you're presenting this completed project that you've hammered away at and you've made into this consistent bubble of work. Mm -hmm. uh, that's impressive, right? Like whether it's a topic that someone else can thrive with or not, it's impressive. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I think it's also important, like when you, do something, whether it's making music, whether it's photography, artwork, etc. Um, it's, it's important for you not to like crave outside validation for it. Um, because I know I'm super guilty of that because you throw an image on Instagram and it's, you know, one of my favorite photos I've ever taken. And I'm so proud of this image and it gets 15 likes and you're like, well, fuck, you know, I think, uh, the mindset of being able to be content with the thing that you've created for its creation sake and not necessarily necessarily having to worry about what the outside world perceives of it um, is, a, is a very freeing um, mentality. Um, so, I mean, that's just something that I, I struggle with and I think most people do. Um, but I think if, if you're lucky enough to get beyond that, 
um, it could be a super freeing uh, feeling. Right. And, you know, you're thinking about Instagram in terms of your portfolio, like if this is a digital gallery to you or if it is some sort of collection that you're curating, um, you know, let's say you walk into a physical gallery space, can you like or comment physically on <laughs> work? You know, you can't. So I fucking like love the, that. <laughs> the difference, right? Like, is there, is there really a difference here? Like, does the, do these things do anything other than boost your engagement? You know, I, I really genuinely appreciate that sentence. Um, I think that is such a crucial, uh, important thing for me to think about and other creative people to think about. Um, because like for me, like, you know, you, you having already been up in a gallery, that's amazing. I've, you know, been lucky enough to have hung some photos in some stores and some coffee shops and stuff like that, but never like a gallery. That's like the goal. Right. Um, but you're right. It's not like someone's walking around up to your image on a wall and writing on underneath it. Like this sucks or harding it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, totally. Totally. And all those things are different, right? Like, your work on Instagram is probably going to get seen the most, but I think in terms of like a coffee shop or a gallery, you're maybe you're going to be a little bit more appreciated and yeah. And, and much more honestly, proud. like, yeah. And, and like a gallery, you know, like you were saying is kind of like a more esteemed high class sort of atmosphere, but at the same time, less visited um for sure you know i've had some really big pieces of work that i've invested a lot of time and money into and have been seen by probably 15 people before covid and a lot of that's timing but it's like you know you put your work in a coffee shop like everybody goes to some sort of beverage or food shop you know like if you're Putting your work in enough places like that, I think that's where the true like in-person impact and exposure is. You know, you go grab a slice of pizza, you see some silly drawing. Um, silly drawings are perfect for pizza shops, where right? I think like a coffee shop is more suitable to like a high-class street photography gallery or something like that. You know? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, very, very worldly views from a extremely young human being. And I mean that in all sincerity, um, as you sit in Denver, uh, you know, two in the afternoon on a Sunday, um, are you happy today? Absolutely. And where, where would you say you derive most of that happiness? Does it come from within or from without or from out? Definitely a mixture of both, but I would say primarily within, um, there's, you know, this feeling when you wake up in the morning. Um, and a lot of people like to say, like, I woke up on the right side of the bed, the wrong side of the bed, whatever. <laughs> um, but it's really up to you to decide how you go forth in that day, whether you woke up with a backache or not, you know? I mean, some of the best, most successful days of my life have been with a backache, and that just is what it is. Um, and, yeah, I was in pain the whole day, and it sucked. But, like, I mean... What would you have accomplished if you stayed in bed? Exactly. And what do you ever accomplish when you, when you stay in bed? Because if you stay in bed all day, what are you going to do at night? I mean, <laughs> I know some people that are nocturnal, like almost to a T, but is it, you know, is, is, that a, is that a worldly thing to do or is that like a you thing to do? Because like you're nocturnal, um, but the rest of the world just isn't, mm-hmm. you know, unless you're doing all of your, your business, uh, offshore, like <laughs> Hong Kong, you know, like polar opposite time zone. It's like, what are you doing, man? Like, I don't know what 2am is good for other than wasting time, chilling, hanging out, you know, uh, how I met your mother. Uh, one of my favorite shows had uh, an episode I think it was called nothing good happens after 2am or 12 p.m. or something like that um and it was basically just a string of terrible shit that happened to the characters throughout the episode after midnight or 2 a.m. and i think uh that's true um i think you wander mentally at those times that it's a little bit hard for someone to be creatively impactful speaking from personal experiences obviously there are people who can uh thrive from midnight to 6 a.m. i just happen to not be one of them (laughs) That's a super, like, New York thing. Um, 
just like the no sleep work all the time. And, um, I mean, I, I appreciate that mentality in some respects cause it's very hardworking. It's very motivated. Um, but also as someone who comes from like the middle of the forest, I just can't not go to sleep after the sun sets, you know, I just get knocked out. It just happens to me. So I get it. Um, it's kind of cool. It's kind of fun to watch like the whole like wall street thing and like artists in New York and cities like that. Um, I have a very high fascination of, mm-hmm. uh, because you're just moving so quickly. I mean, you can say the same thing about any city. Some people might say the same thing about Denver. Um, I guess I work like 12 hour shifts sometimes, but the point is they're during the daylight. Yeah. Right. N- normal hours. Um, we don't have to dive specifically into this, but you did mention that you had, you know, like a rough childhood in the sense that you had to deal with like a uh, parental illness. And obviously that's never easy. Um, I similar, similarly dealt with my father having heart condition. Um, you know, I had six bypass 10 years ago and thank God he's, you know, alive and well and kicking. Um, I, I, I find that, you know, youth, child, and or uh, any sort of younger trauma uh, can either negatively or positively impact a person's life uh, long term. And without obviously passing any judgment, it seems very clear that you were able to take these difficult situations and turn them into life positives. Um, How would you say you did that? And then ultimately, how have those additional experiences impact your positivity moving forward? Yeah, um, I mean, trauma is one of those things, like, you can use it as a negative token against you um, and just kind of let it eat away at you, or you can really kind of harness it and use it as um, an experience that fuels how you go about your days in the future. Um, I learned a lot about trauma when I was in the Virgin Islands. I was doing... Uh, photography for, yeah, I already told you about that. Um, but the, the nonprofit I was working for there was doing hurricane relief work mm-hmm. for the Islands, um, with Hurricane Irma and Maria. So um, really kind of devastating things happened there. Um, and it was able, it was um, allowing of me to realize the traumas within myself that I had experienced Mm-hmm. growing up um, through the light of other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and these have been people, you know, that had had their homes destroyed, homes flooded, and, you know, had lost family members, friends, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but their resilience, I found, was really inspiring. So it's like when you see someone who's going through something like that, um, and it's such a powerful impact to them, if you let it rub off on you, maybe it's a little bit easier to deal with the things in your own life, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying it's good to, you know, like, look down on the trauma of others if it's worse, but, like, realize their situation might be worse and that you might have time and effort to give. Um, and that effort of giving, it feels like, you know, to other people viewing the situation that maybe you're this like giving person, you know, you're giving your time, your money, your effort, whatever, um, to someone else in need, but really you gain just as much, or I feel maybe even more through that act. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, again, I, ha- I hate to harp on, um, your age, but you know, these are themes and, um, experiences that are not often associated with someone who's 24 years old. Um, so a lot of credit, I mean, either goes to you yourself, your parents, your family, your friends growing up. Um, but you know, being that this is our first real conversation, I'm floored by, uh, kind of all that you have to offer as, as a human being miles, if I'm being honest. Um, you, yeah, no problem. Yeah, for sure. Um, you've done a lot. You, you've got commercial, you know, successes, you've traveled the world, you've helped others. Um, you've done a lot in a short period of time. Um, where do you see yourself in five years from now? And you know, what's the next step? 
Uh, that's funny, man. Um, I've been thinking a lot about that lately because um, I felt a lot of instability for the last five years and the past one, um, you know, was especially difficult for, I think, a lot of people, you know, mm -hmm. 2020 slash 2021. Sure. Um, but I feel like when I moved to Denver, um, you know, it changed my lifestyle, my income, um, really kind of harnessed photography again as a profession and um, kind of re-adulted, if you will. Um, it's made me kind of want to look into these um, more long-term plan things. Um, so now I'm kind of thinking about like, you know, I'll be 30 when I'm in five years. Um, so I'm kind of hoping to continue doing this work, um, maybe eventually go independent as a contractor in the photography world again. Um, it's nice to be attached to companies and have partnerships and whatnot, but mm -hmm. um, being your own boss sounds really cool. Um, but the big thing for me, like, I love Denver. I really do. But I know one day, maybe it's five years, maybe it's ten years, um, it's going to get really fast-paced, and there's pluses to that. But um, I've always felt this attraction to the beach mm -hmm. uh, and this kind of tropical landscape, seascape um, sort of atmosphere. So, um, And that includes the food as well. I really like Creole cuisine. Uh, Caribbean cuisine, Southern cuisine. So um, I think eventually I'll probably move either Southeast or to the Caribbean um, and, you know, buy a house outright in cash, no mortgage, mm -hmm. all that stuff, just kind of pre-retire, if you will. Sure. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I, I want to keep working and I want to keep chugging along. I just think there's always things to be worked on. And for me, it's that, um, you know, getting back to that feeling of like the perfect environment, the perfect photo, um, the perfect series of work, the perfect way of showcasing it. I really like galleries. I really like the idea of like collecting work. I just can't afford to do it yet, you know? So sure. someday maybe go somewhere on the beach, have a gallery. Yeah. Um, well, so Show my friend's work. Make make sure yeah. uh, to include me with an invitation because I'm a beach Absolutely. fan as well. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, I find uh, I, I always when I'm looking forward, um, you know, whether it's a year in the future, five years, ten years, etc. Um, I find it uh, like a good opportunity to look backward as well um and to kind of like also think about things that like i'm afraid of transpiring over that next period of time um what's like your biggest fear for yourself today and then like what would be a perceived fear or failure for yourself in the future Ooh, um i think right now i'm scared of like the the things that, um, you know, most people are scared of, like, I'm afraid of like getting bit by a spider and like, <laughs> you know, rattlesnakes and that kind of stuff. It's like, yeah, I've had, like, I've had a, um, a, what's that thing? I guess it'd be like a King Cobra. Oh, um, when I was in Nepal, it like slithered through my legs. I was wearing shorts. Um, I would have myself this, for sure. Yeah, this dude that was uh, showing me through that part of the forest, he turned around and he was just like, you look like a ghost because <laughs> I had just gone straight pale. <laughs> Absolutely fearless. Um, so, yeah, things like that, man, um, I'm a lot more afraid of than, like, the buy a house, you know, um, become an uncle, like, whatever, that kind of stuff. Uh, it doesn't really scare me as much. Um that's nice. Because, yeah, I mean, I've I've had like not a huge family or not a not a close family. Like I've never really like had extended family that I'm like extremely physically close to. They all live in like different cities and stuff. Mm -hmm. But whenever I see them, it's like very cherishable. So I think, um, and same goes for friends and um, you know other people that I've encountered and traveled and whatnot. It's kind of just a nice thing to experience time with people while you can um 
So I, I look forward to that. I think that's uh, an impressive view because, uh, you know, conversely, my experience with my mid to late 20s was very um, tick the box, uh, you know, buy a house, get a get married, get engaged, white picket fence. Um, and I didn't really do any of those things. Um, I'm single. I'm, you know, not not married i i've got a dog but you know that's the the closest to uh ticking the boxes that i've done um yeah. and i think it's super uncommon for someone in that you know age bracket to not feel those um pressures to you know have a certain car um be in a relationship uh you know buy the house etc um so again you know tooting your horn enough on this fucking episode miles but um props to you for you know not keeping up with the Joneses in that regard, because I don't think that's necessarily a common outlook. Thanks. Yeah. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Uh, all those things are amazing. Um, but you know, they, they come in, in the steps they're supposed to. And I think if you jump the gun a little bit too early with certain things, um, you can kind of create a situation for yourself later and it's a little bit harder to fix. So I agree. Um, and for me, that's, you know, one of those things that comforts me is like renting. Um, you know, like I said before, I work in real estate. Uh, I'm not an agent. I'm just a photographer. So I don't know everything, but, um, you know, mortgages are pricey and they can really rack up interest. Even if your rates are low really quickly, I think a lot of people, my age are kind of like in this spot where they're like, I need to get into the property game. I need to buy something. It's the same deal with like crypto and stocks and all this stuff. You know, I need to buy something and flip something and make money. And it's, it is that simple if you have the exact dollar amount, but the credit cards, the loans, the things like this, these are the things that people just diminish a little bit too easily. And they're like, okay, yeah, I'm going to take out a mortgage. I'm going to do the minimum down payment, the minimum monthly payment, whatever. Okay, well, 15 years down the line, 20 years down the line, whatever your mortgage is, you just paid twice the value of the house. You yeah. know, well, Where, the, like you could have just saved that whole time renting and just bought it. You know, the perception is that because everyone else is making money in crypto and everyone else is buying a house and everyone else is doing these things. Yeah. I must, something must be wrong with me that I'm not doing them. And that's a real, real good way to fail <laughs> at things in life because it shouldn't be your incentive to do something because someone else is doing it. It should be your incentive to do something because you're genuinely interested in it or it speaks to you on some level beyond, hey, that's what Joe, Tim, and Bob are doing, etc. Yes, sir. Um, I mean, if you know a ton about Dogecoin or whatever, Mm-hmm. and you want to invest in it like that's great but me personally i know nothing about it i i'm pretty sure this it's just like i don't know what it is i, I really don't know what it is i don't know what the tangibility is i don't understand how its value goes up and down so i choose to not partake but if you're a genius on it you know do it absolutely yeah dogecoin could be an entire episode in and of, in and of itself for sure <laughs> um out of curiosity, so like we, we, we've been on the line for, for close to an hour, and obviously time flies when you're having fun. Um, what would you say is your biggest advice to someone who's hearing you speak on this podcast for the first time? Persevere. Um, you are going to fail 99 times before your 100th win, you know, and you just kind of got to keep punching because especially when you're starting out, um, I'm assuming there's probably going to be a lot of creatives that listen to your podcast. Um, those people, especially man, like that's a tough thing to go into. Honestly, if you're just starting out, like you're, you're choosing something to go into, I wouldn't recommend photography. <laughs> Their equipment expensive. It takes a million tries before you win. Um, but you know, if you truly love it, like you love it, you would die for this thing. You would stay up all night days in a row for this thing then yeah just persevere um because it will happen for you and also stay open-minded like i did not think i'd live in denver ever i never thought i would live here it just happened you know and Mm -hmm. things like that happen but you also find through these experiences that there's 
things that you didn't think you would like that you do um, and vice versa. I like that. Um, I like to wrap up each podcast with a series of questions and just like quick hitters and then, um, you know, one final question. So my first question is, what is your favorite book? My favorite book? Um, I have a few. I think I'm kind of a nonfiction guy. Um, if I'm being honest, I really like the blue book of guitars. It's just like this massive encyclopedia of guitars. Mm -hmm. You can find it at music stores. Um, but as far as like, you know, fictional things go, I really like the classics. Um, and you know, I think there's a lot of like language that might not be interpreted in the best light now, but, uh, I think as long as it's understood historically, like Huck Finn, um, very like powerful story. Um, I think Huckleberry Finn is a really good one. I'd prefer that one over Tom Sawyer, if I'm being honest. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also really like those more kind of experimental books. Like there's this one, um, it's called Anthem. It's like a novella and it's one of those kind of existential escape from society sort of things. Um, felt very like Lord of the Flies sort of Hunger Games ish kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I'm into that kind of stuff. Nice. What's your favorite movie? Favorite movie. Um, that's so hard, but, or like a few I, I these things too. Like when you, cause I, I listened to your other podcasts and I was just like, ah, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, um, dude, like Casino Royale, James Bond. Oh yeah, for sure. Such a heavy hitter. <laughs> that movie is just so. Well, that was what's his name's first role, right? You know? That was the first time he played uh, Bond, right? Yeah, okay. First role, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I like that movie. I own that movie on DVD and on Apple TV. Yeah, I'm a fan. What's uh, what's your favorite food? Favorite food? Um, I'm really into Creole food. I think I mentioned that before. Um, gumbo. Mm -hmm. is fuck yeah like my favorite i make jambalaya like you know they're they're similar they're not the same thing but i find jambalaya a little bit easier to make i make it on like a weekly basis nice do you believe in an afterlife uh yeah i, I do believe in an afterlife i think um i'm not really exactly sure what that afterlife looks like um but whatever it is it's pretty sick it's cool nice i agree <laughs> uh yeah. miles uh the last question that i have to ask is my favorite question that i ask people because it gives people a good insight into kind of who they are and like what they're consuming lately which i think in the society we live with is is nice uh it gives people something new to look into um so if you have one recommendation um for people who are listening to you today uh what would it be it could be a book it could be a podcast a movie uh etc literally anything just something that you've consumed recently um that you would recommend for people who are listening to you today um some of my friends are gonna laugh really hard at this but <laughs> you should uh listen to dave ramsey's baby seven baby steps to financial freedom okay cool <laughs> it's, he's, he's got like a youtube channel um and it's simple stuff that you know it's I, I feel like it's very common sense but you know especially as like someone who's like a millennial or like generation z or whatever the heck i am i really don't know um <laughs> i don't either yeah i don't know um but you know you're part of that like between zero and 40 kind of age i think um there's a lot of things that were shoved in our face growing up um about finances and credit and loans and blah, blah. Um, I think it's important to watch these kind of things because, you know, he'll say like the very rudimentary steps of like, get out of debt, um, create an emergency fund, start investing in these things specifically that are long-term and guaranteed, you know, and mm -hmm. you kind of, no matter what your age is, you're going to be able to benefit from it. So nice. I like that. Uh, my recommendation um, is, it's like a little heavy, but 
my recommendation for anyone listening today is to reach out to someone that you haven't talked to in a while and say, hi, how you doing? And catch up. I feel like I've done a poor job being a friend in the last year um, and done a poor job on even just texting people or, you know, connecting with people. And I would like to do a better job moving forward, you know, not just today, but, you know, for the rest of the year and my life in general um, with staying in communication with people that matter and, you know, the people that I love and hold dear to my heart. And I feel like I've got to do a better job doing that. Um, So my recommendation is to send a text, say hello, catch up with someone who you haven't talked to in a while and uh, just reach out and try to be there for someone that maybe might be going through something that you don't know. That's beautiful. Thanks, I man. like your recommendation better than mine. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> it's just because I haven't read a new book or seen anything good lately. So <laughs> I went uh, with- like, feel very similarly, man. Um, just like, like I said, I'm a very like non nonfiction person. So I get like very caught up in the like real, the now, like what's logistical and sometimes just kind of lose that, like, that fun or that spirit, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's been a tough year just in general for, you know, the world. And it's, it's understandable when you kind of start doing one thing over and over again, and it's almost harder to break out in, in that same token. Yeah, most definitely. Well, Miles, man, that was uh, an incredibly enjoyable conversation. I'm going to link your Instagram and your website, obviously, in the show notes below. Um, I'm, I'm incredibly impressed with uh, with the human being that you are and all that you've done in such a short period of time. And I know I said it 12 times on the podcast, but I think you're a really cool dude. And uh, I'm appreciative for uh, Shane and Tyler who introduced us all. And, and I, I mentioned to Shane, we got to do a nice big group podcast sometime because um, I think you guys are, are young and, and you're doing things the right way. And it's uh, it's really cool to see. Um, I really enjoyed this conversation. Uh, definitely look forward to having you back on the uh, on the podcast again. Thanks, John, so much for the opportunity. No problem, man. Have a great day. You as well.